I do not believe that there's an entity or a higher power that has simply <laughs> pointed out that we as queer people are just damned. Your spirituality is beyond anyone else's perspective of a religion or or what they believe. This is In The Key Of Q, featuring musicians from around the world who inspire my queer identity. Everybody is welcome to the conversation, whatever beautiful identity pleases you. Music helps us feel connected and know that we are not alone. This program is made possible thanks to the financial support of listeners like you over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. And remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Dan Hall. Tune in and be heard. This week's guest is an independent artist and writer who has been writing and making music since 2013. He gained recognition with his first EP, Raw Rhythm and Words, which debuted in the top 40 on the iTunes R&B charts. A big welcome on In the Key of Q to Don Plus. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. Maybe let me boy, you be stable. Make it black out, get your pin down. Are you sure do you think that you're able? Baby, yeah, my love ain't, ain't simple Put my hand out, what you scared now? I ain't even bring out the cables If you want me to stay, then I'll go Into positions, but I want that I'm dangerous I'll show ya If you want me to stay, then I'll go Into positions, but I want that I'm I grew up in a family that was always involved in music in some way, but it was very much intellectually based. It was all about, you need to have good grades, you need to go to college. If you're doing something with music, it's like in church or, you know, you sing in the shower, but that's not something you're going to do. And so um, while I didn't professionally have the opportunity to do music while I was younger, I was surrounded by it. Like my aunt had this room, it was a dining room, it had a piano in it. And it had nothing but records and CDs and cassette tapes. Oh, that sounds like a good house. I like a it house like that. was heaven. Um, I didn't necessarily like going to my aunt's house because she would make us do chores all the time. But I would go. <laughs> yes. I would go just to go sit in that room. And I think that's where my spark for writing came from because I would listen to the music, but I would always flip through the records or flip through if people are are old enough to remember who's listening, where you had the booklets with the lyrics and the cassette tapes or in the CDs. Yes. Yes. I used to sit and just read those just to find out who the writers were or just like to really dig into the lyrics. So that's really where my spark for writing and music came from. So what music then was being played in your home as you were being brought up? What were the elders in your house playing? Tons of Luther Vandross, tons of Teddy Pendergrass, tons of Diana Ross, Anita Baker. Oh. Um, Miss Ross seeping through the walls. Oh my gosh. SWV, um, Michael Jackson, Janet. Like it was a very soulful R&B house. Even gospel. My, uh, my grandparents are pastors. And so I remember very vividly, even to this day, like <laughs> they had like these little intercom systems throughout the house and they would play uh, gospel through them in the morning. You would wake up and that'd be the first thing you hear. And so 
not even just like the spiritual aspect of gospel is amazing, but just like hearing the power and the voices. And you you always have a choir who, where you get just layers and layers of backgrounds. And I think that's kind of where I learned how to harmonize and, and play with my voice a little bit. It was just like listening to gospel and being like, oh, today I'm going to do the tenor part. Oh, today I'm, I'm going to attempt the soprano. I may not, may not do it quite well, but I'm going to try the soprano. Hang on, Don Plus, I've just got to rewind a little bit. Your grandparents basically ran a private radio network in the home. <laughs> you might as well say that. <laughs> Where they're like, this one goes out to all of those in the dining room. <laughs> you know what? That would have been hilarious. It was more so like, there were, it was this one particular radio station they would put it on. And then it would just like blast through the house. And like, you could mute it. But by the time it was on, it was kind of just like... I really have to reach all the way over there, get up out of bed to turn that off. <laughs> so it would just play. Once I got older, I realized the shift. And maybe it's because I had like older siblings and my uncles and aunts were a little younger um, to where I started getting exposed to hip hop. And that's when I started getting into Nas and really diving into Tupac, who I, I love his writing. I love his uh, raps. I love just like his his transition, like everything about Tupac really spoke to me. So I really dug into that. Our guest in episode one of the second season, Q-Boy, who's a British rapper, mm -hmm. speaks quite a lot about the complexity of the relationship between uh, being gay and hip hop. Yes. How did you resolve that? Or what are your thoughts on that? In developing a love for hip hop, it wasn't an issue because I was younger. Yeah, I knew I was like different or not like the other boys, but I didn't really put music with that. And yes, I heard, you know, you always heard derogatory words in hip hop or metaphors in relation to homosexuality and hip hop um, as, a, as a negative thing, but it wasn't something that I at the time paid attention to. Now that I'm an adult and I'm like an active participant in the creation of music, you know, that's kind of different where I believe that one, I believe it's okay for people to have different views first and foremost. However, on the flip side is that is like, when does that go too far to where you're now impacting and hurting people? And so like, that's always, this is actually a battle that I kind of play with now um, because there are artists that I enjoy that skillfully, they are great artists in, in what they do, but there is a battle, maybe not even about their perception of homosexual people, but just in, in general of their views and how they engage in the world. Um, and even as a black man, that's kind of hard because there are instances, even when you think about when, how women are portrayed in hip hop, it's like, well, I don't necessarily view women in that light. I don't necessarily view my mom or my sisters or my aunts in, or want them to be seen in that light. Um, but it does exist in hip hop. And there are songs that, you know, talk about things in them that you'd be like, oh, I don't know if I would want to see that <laughs> type deal. So I feel like it's a constant battle in music. Um, I think it's important for people to find out what their moral line is when it comes to creativity and how it impedes on that. And it's that classic thing, isn't it, of separating the arts from the artist? Because yes. I've got a couple of musicians who I 
like from the early 80s who have since gone on to become quite uh, right wing uh it's it's probably no surprise to you that I'm a bit of a bit of a whiny lefty um, <laughs> and proud of it a proud socialist similar similar <laughs> but you know I I still like their music they don't sing about right wing stuff but I I listen to their music from when you know they first came out and I, I do feel a tinge of guilt because I think, well, should I be giving them streams revenue? You know, the 0.0001p they'll get from Spotify for a million listens. But it's it's curious, isn't it? Because we, we especially in the world of Spotify, in fact, or, or streaming generally, we do consume music now much more without knowing the branding, without knowing what the artists look like, without even knowing what they stand for, because so much of the stuff pops up on algorithms. There's a one artist in particular that it really, it's annoying because it's like, there's no way I could separate the artist from their music because their music reflects <laughs> who they are now. Um, and I think a prime example of that is like R. Kelly. Like I, growing up, I was so clueless to who R. Kelly was, but I, as a writer, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the music. Um, and he was like a mash when it came to R&B from the 90s on through the 2000s. He was a powerhouse when it came to writing for other people and his own music. So once I became older and real, you know, learned the history of like what he's done and what he's been doing um, and then listening to his music is like, oh, there's no there's clearly no separation between what you do and what you put in these songs. I can't support that. Um and that's like, that's my hard line. If you're, if I'm listening to your music and your, your politics, how you engage um, in the world um, and your impact on the world is negative, And I see that in your music, then I no longer can support it because there's no way I can separate you, what you do and what you're saying in the music. Cause it's all aligned. When I'm writing a song, I want to make sure that it's coming from a genuine place of like authenticity. Um, and so a lot of that means that I am using boy and I'm, I am referring to an he and like, I feel like those, um, I feel like people appreciate that I do those things because I've always struggled growing up singing, I don't know, an SWV song or I don't know, any female singer song um, and then wanting to change a pronoun. Because it's like, oh, I know I like boys. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like in that sense, my music does directly align with what it is I put into the world, but it also is directly catering to a specific group of people. I do believe in making sure that I show a diaspora of what my gay experience is. And I think that's important because while I may throw a heat in a song, there are, there are situations where I'll write a song and I don't put any pronouns in it because in that moment, it may not even be about a person. It may be me talking to myself, but people receive it as I'm just talking to somebody, which is great because they can place themselves in the song however they want. So Don Plus, you spoke earlier about having grandparents who were pastors. 
What was it like living with that intersectionality of uh, Persian and queer identity growing up uh, in a world with a lot of religion? Because religion has a complex complex relationship on this podcast, according to my guests. Yeah, so it's interesting. My grandparents are pastors, um, heavy Christian influence. However, my father, who's their son, and my immediate family, we grew up Muslim. Um, so I had a very unique experience of growing up queer and, and seeing like what those experiences are in, in two different religions. And it was, it was, it was kind of tough for me uh, just because it was a universal message of this is wrong. And it wasn't just coming from one source. I feel like most people, if they in terms of religion, they're like, oh, I, um, I am very traumatized by my family through this one lens of religion. Whereas I've kind of got it from, from two different religions messaging the same thing and in very graphic ways. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's been, that was a, a big struggle for me. As an adult, I find that spirituality in the, in, in, in the realms of religion um, is still a, a work in progress for me. Um, more so because I've gotten to the point where it was like, oh, my spirituality is something that I can define for myself um, to include me as a queer person and the people that I love and to include the, the ideas that I, I believe are important. In post 9-11 America, I don't imagine growing up a queer black Muslim. It's particularly easy. Those can't be the easiest intersections to navigate. It, it wasn't. Um, it's, <laughs> there's so many intersectionality points here. So queer black Muslim in the South, because I grew up in, and was born in South Carolina. So that was, uh, <laughs> that was interesting in itself because it was like, I would hear these messages of hate toward my queerness at home and in places of worship, but I, and I would go to school and hear more hate about being Muslim in this very Southern Christian town. And so it was almost like I, I had to develop a really strong skin when it came to that. And I, I, I think because of that spirituality, um, the journey of spirituality has been a little bit difficult in like digging out because I'm really digging through just like messages of hate on all fronts. How would you advise people do get past that though? Because a lot of my guests come on here are very, very scarred. I, I think it's people don't take the time out to to study, um, and I say study religions because these are like institutions. Um, but people don't take time to study religion to really learn the doctrine and understand, you know, at least the basic understandings of what the, the tenets of these religions are. And I, I think I was fortunate enough to grow up in two separate religions to where I was forced to do that research and I was forced to study. And it forced me to study other religions beyond, beyond that. Um, and so I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is really separating people from religion. People, religion, and doctrine are totally different from spirituality. And I think once you identify that, it's easier to be like, this is what I believe and how I maneuver in the world and what I, um, what I, what I think about my, my spirit. Since the fall of Kabul in Afghanistan, we've started to get downloads 
of this podcast in Afghanistan. Oh, wow. What message would you give to our queer brothers and sisters who are living there under a version of Islam which is threatening to kill them? What, mm. what message would you have for them, for them to hear this? Ooh. Your connection in spirituality is defined by you. And I do not believe that there's an entity um, or a higher power that has simply <laughs> pointed out that we as queer people are just damned. And I would also say that your spirituality is beyond anyone else's perspective of a religion or or what they believe. And I would say like, stay, stay true to your beliefs. You know what's in your heart. You know what it is to to be true and um if that would keep is you know keeps you in your moral compass like on the line and keep you peace at the core then you stick and you believe to that um and you have other queer folks that out here that that understand that struggle so you're not alone Glad you told me, baby, now I gotta really scope Help the situation, let you know how this can go Get going, have some fun, get grass and mass Let them niggas know that you the number one But they can't pass And you know that you got something back down Got more class And you know that you don't wanna ruin that Yeah, so you wanna make these moves with me But you just gotta move your feet When it comes to certain things, yeah, how you now, moving seamlessly on, Don Plus, I understand you are alone because you're shit at dating, aren't you? <laughs> I'm horrible at it. <laughs> I'm so horrible at it. Um, <laughs> I might have gotten better. I actually went on a date yesterday and it ended really well. It was a really good date. Um, suddenly, this has suddenly turned into an episode of the Golden Girls. I feel like you're Rose coming back in, and all, you know, <laughs> me. Of course, I'm Dorothy, and, and Sophia and everybody else are just standing mm -hmm. waiting to hear back about the date. That is hilarious because I just finished watching uh, the spinoff of Golden Girls, Golden Place, because I love the Golden Girls. Um, is it yes. as bad as everyone says it is? It's not. I really enjoy it. It's a for me. It's a nice pickup from the Golden Girls, and I do feel like. It does touch on issues that are a little deeper than what they did in Golden Girls. I will oh, say. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Golden Girls went to some pretty impressive spaces. They they did. I think so. One episode in particular is um when who was it? When Blanche decides that the sisters of the Confederacy are coming to the Golden Place Hotel. Um, and so she hangs Ooh. up a Confederate flag and in that spinoff, Don Cheeto, it like works in a hotel with them. And so she looks at it as like this very cultural thing, whereas he has this perspective, like it's a, a symbol of racism and of, of like slavery and bondage. And so it's it, the whole episode wow. really dives into that. And so it was, it was really, it was really deep. I really enjoyed it. Blimey. Yeah. Who yeah. Knew? 
But we got off topic. We did. You see, you see what happens with gay men? You throw a reference to the Golden Girls in, and, and it's it. like it's like a glitter bomb goes off. It's it, like whatever we're talking about is forgotten. It really is dating. Yeah, I'm. Where have I gone wrong before? I think personally, just not doing the work on myself. Honestly, um, I've the longest relationship I had been in was like four and a half years, um, and after that, I think I spent a lot of time. You know, with the mindset of get over one is to get under another. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I I'm, don't know what you mean, Don Plus. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. So, I mean, I, you know, I would date here and there what, and whatnot, but I would always find that once it ended, I would always go back to myself like, ooh, I'm still doing that thing or I'm still doing this thing. Um, what I will say, as I've gotten older, the list of things that I do has gotten really, really small. <laughs> and I've Says got, you. <laughs> and I, well, the, <laughs> the things that I think are red flags for myself, I've, I've kind of hope I've <laughs> gotten those under control. In the past, I think I've had real kind of codependent type behaviors or real people pleasing. And it's just, it's just shit. And the thing is, so I was dating this guy. It's the same guy that I was with for four and a half years. And I woke up one day. And I looked in our apartment and I did not see anything that said me, nothing. Um, it was a great apartment. We had like three bedrooms, amazing kitchen, amazing dining room, blah, 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 blah. But I was like, I would never live in a place with this many rooms. <laughs> I don't think I even like the color of those drapes over there. And I actually stopped doing music. Like once we like got together type deal. And I was just like, oh. Yeah, I don't see or feel like myself anymore. Gotta let you know, no. I'm the type you be ready to give you all the things that I know you don't do. Yeah, cooking meals, but it's an hour's Don't try to play me, baby, don't break the rules. Go, go ahead and do your thing. But when you come back to me, just know that I ain't playing. Just the way to make sure that you stay a I am very shy, like extremely shy. I'm also like, huh, how can I say this? I don't, I wouldn't speak up about things. I'll kind of like let things happen. And um, that was a big thing for me. It's like, why, why am I dimming myself to fit the box of this person that I say I want, but who only wants me if I'm fitting this criteria? Um, I had to learn to get over it. I and mean, also I had to learn like to like those parts of myself. Now you spoke there then about your shyness. How on earth does that marry with being a performer? <laughs> like if you want to be shy, why aren't you a librarian? Very true. So by profession, I'm a teacher. Um, and it had been for about 10 years. Well, that's just as bad. I know, I know. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so I honestly tell people. Like me not being Don Plus is a totally different person. Like Don Plus is hella confident. Don Plus will just like take over a, a space. Like he's hilarious. He's very extra. He likes anything shiny and sheer. Like Don Plus is that guy. But me outside of that, if I'm not in front of kids or on a stage, I'm very much like, I, I like to be hidden. 
Which one of those Don pluses, though, is the mask, do you think? Is it the shy one or is it the one on stage? Is, are you actually, does the stage give you relief and respite from wearing a mask and actually allows you to be bizarrely a more authentic version of yourself? I, I honestly believe that. There's the, uh, sh that, sh that feeling of being shy and nervous and scared, it goes away because it's almost like I feel that's a hindrance to people being able to depend on me. I can't be shy and timid in a classroom because if something happens, like I'm responsible for <laughs> 60 students every day, <laughs> 90 students every day. So if something happens to one of them, I can't be timid. I have to be ready. Um, and in, in the terms of music, that translates to like people have decided that they like my music or they like, you know, the stories that I tell or they're invested in me as a person. And I am not providing it is what it is that I said that I'm going to provide as someone that's a queer artist. I feel like there's like a level of responsibility of I'm a queer artist. I can can provide something that people want. Let me give that to them and let me have them enjoy it while we're in that space. Don't go out there and fuck it up. Don't break the rules, just chuck it up. I just wanna do this thing Join us every week on A Queer Understanding and hear stories of self-discovery. I want to be a boy because I believe that I am a boy. So of course at that time, they called my parents. Me and the guy ended up fooling around. I, I was honestly thinking like, wow, like this is what I've been missing. Challenges. A tunnel is called survival sex. They're not out there because they love it. The police basically told me to get out of the station because they hate gays and we make them sick. Ian triumphs. The reason why I think I was successful is that I wasn't running as the gay candidate. I was asking people to vote for me because I care about the same things that they care about. Listen to A Queer Understanding everywhere you listen to your podcasts. I was diagnosed in 2015. The the biggest issue was really internally. I felt like I had I had done everything right. I was in a relationship. He was the only person I was dealing with. Um, you know, we used condoms up to a certain time. We got tested. Um, you know, I felt like I checked all the boxes, and that was that was kind of like my identity at the time was like when it came to school, when it came to my queerness when it came to my blackness was like i've checked all the boxes i'm that guy I, my goal was perfection i needed to be perfect um and for a long time i dealt with feeling like i wasn't like i was tainted like i was dirty like i had this little secret um and going through that was hard because it wasn't like a you know two month thing and i feel better it's like it's this thing that sometimes that still pops up and definitely is you know constantly a conversation in my therapy therapy is amazing go do it um but i think what made it better was having like openly having that, those conversations um i started doing a lot of work at medical schools where i would go and i'll talk about what it meant to live with hiv um i for instance even my name 
like Don Plus, it was like, yes, I am, you know, a singer songwriter plus all these different things. But the, I also put it there because for me, it was like, I'm, I'm not scared of this. I don't, it's not a secret. It's, I don't mind talking about it. It's something I'm very comfortable talking about. And I think it's because I, I honestly believe that's my, my mission when it comes to music is like, I am, I'm essentially everything they say that is not supposed to make it or is not supposed to be in this realm of music and I'm going to be it. So what advice will you have for anyone who's newly diagnosed and is feeling uncomfortable about that news? Newly diagnosed, you, it's unfortunate, um, but it has happened in a time where things are better than what they were for me and better than what they were for people back in the 90s and late 80s. Um, I'll also say that the biggest work that you're going to have to do is really on yourself. Um, and sometimes that means redefining yourself. Like for me, my status made me, made me say like, this is my, my last chance. Um, I actually, when I found out I was positive, I didn't want to, I didn't want to live like that. I was like, I'm dirty. Like, why am I going to like live my life this way? I've accomplished what I want to accomplish. Um, I'm over it. Um, but the one thing that kept me was music because it was something I hadn't done before. Um, I didn't really, I I've done it, but I didn't put my energy into it. It was like, well, this is the last thing that's going to keep me alive because I've accomplished everything else. So if you need to find that thing, that thing that you have not done, that, that, that experience you haven't explored, that part of yourself that you don't know about that you want to dig into, that's what's going to keep you, keep you pushing. Now then, Don Plus, for the next two or so minutes, I'm going to give you a platform to talk about whatever you want. I'm not going to edit anything. I'm not going to change anything. You can speak about something we've already chatted about or something completely new. Really, the whole point of this podcast is to allow artists to have their voices heard. And this is a chance for you to do it without even me babbling away. So, <laughs> so the clock will start as soon as you do. Oh, we can talk about all the new stuff I have coming. I'm so excited. So excited. Um, so I am, I can't spill the name yet, but uh, about to be on a reality show here in Washington, D.C., which is very exciting. Um, wasn't a big fan of wanting to do reality shows, but... I really want to make sure like my music and who I am is getting out there. And I think this would be the greatest way to do it. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, courting new music, closing out the, the, the raw rhythm and words era um, with another video. I can't wait to do that. You're going to get some choreography. You're going to get some looks. Um, everything is leveling up. Everything is leveling up. Uh, so I'm really, really excited about that. It's a busy... It's a busy first quarter for Don Plus. So we've got a lot coming. A lot coming. Um, what else do I have going on? Uh, lots of collaborations. I think that's one thing that I did not really get to jump into in my first project. Um, I really wanted to figure out who I was as, as an artist and like learn on my own. But now that, you know, I'm out there and, you know, people are recognizing me as a queer artist and other queer artists are respecting me as a queer artist, which I love. Um, I'm doing tons of collaborations with some great people. Um, and I can't wait for everyone to hear, um, this, this independent artist road is really, really, really hard, but what does make it great is like the queer independent artist circle is like really, really supportive of folks. And that's, that's what I enjoy about this a lot is just really being able to connect with other queer folks who have this passion for creativity. So 
get ready. 2022 is, is going to be exciting. Hey, I see you sitting over there, you looking fine. I just want to go right next to you and sit and talk. Tell me, baby, all about it, hear about the life. Say, why you just sitting there acting no calm and shy? Why you back up? I just want to get acquainted. Let's just go. Put your cards on the table, just as well. Why you fronting? Why you acting hard? Just turn around and let's just go ahead and need a spot. So what do you think your 15-year-old self would think of you, Don Plus, and the music that you make? 15-year-old me would be like, what are you doing? Why do you think you can do this? Who gave you permission to, to do any of this? 15-year-old me was... Um, 15-year-old me cared about what people thought, but 15-year-old me also still had like this passion for music. So 15-year-old me would be sitting there screaming like, what are you doing? But in the inside being like, you better get it. Yes. Yes, this is exactly what I wanted to do when I was 15 and now I, I'm doing it at whatever age. <laughs> And where can we find you online, Don Plus? Yeah, so on Instagram, Twitter, um, all social medias is it's Don underscore music. Um, you can find me on Apple Music, you can find me on Spotify, you can find me on SoundCloud. Um, you might find some hidden gems on SoundCloud if you go there. Um, but yeah, it's Don Music underscore music. You can find me everywhere. Fantastic. And can I just say to my British listeners, don't you love how Don Plus puts a whole extra syllable in the word on? I just love that. <laughs> Do I really? Oh, yeah. On. It's like, oh, there's a whole new syllable in there. Uh, I can't help it. It's just like, it's, I don't know what it is. It's a, it, part, it might partly be from being from the South and or me moving around so much. Um, I don't know. I don't know where the, the accent comes from. <laughs> Blanche Dubois, just be you. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to own that. I'm going to just going to be Blanche. I'm going to have all my dates and I'm going to talk with a southern twang. <laughs> Now we've been listening to your music all the way through this episode, but of course we've saved the best till last, like all good shows. Now this is when I like to ask my guests what would be their gateway song, and that is a song that best introduces them to an audience who don't know their catalogue. So what would yours be and why? Ooh, my gateway song. My gateway song would have to be Make a Move. Um, it was my first single. It really showed who my inspirations were. It really gave me a chance to play with my look. Um, and it really catapulted me into a, a sphere of queer artists, of like actually being seen as an artist. Um, I put a lot of work into the song, put a lot of work into the video. Um, and I got to work with a lot of queer creatives. And it was my very first experience when it came to like professionally making music. So it really... You know, when I look at that video, I really am like, man, I really started with this and did this. And, I, and it started with one song. It was like, I wrote this one song. It's like, oh, I guess I should do a video. So I did the video. And I was like, oh, well, I have like 10 songs. Maybe I should do a project or EP. And then the EP, well, let's do another video. Um, so Make a Move, it's definitely like you get everything down plus. You get, how, you get a little rap from me. You get the vocals. You get a little sexiness. 
um, you know, the, and the video gives you a little a little scare. <laughs> Plus, thank you so much for coming on In The Key of Q and sharing with us your stories and of course your music. And thanks for having me, it was a joy, it was a joy. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can support In The Key of Q via Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Theme music is by Paul Lee Nidu at unstoppablemonsters.com with press and PR by Paul Smith. Help others discover new queer musicians by rating and reviewing In The Key of Q wherever you find podcasts. Thanks to Kaj and Murray for their continued support and to you for subscribing. The show is made of Puck Media. I'm Dan Hall. Go listen to some music, and I'll see you next Tuesday.